Yo, welcome back. Welcome back to Ideally Though. Ideally Though. That hot new podcast. I don't even want to call it new anymore. I mean, we've been here for a bit. We in the streets. Yeah. We out here. We in the streets. We in these streets. <laughs> I'm your host, Erica, and with me, as per usual, is my hubby, my bestie, my butter bitch. Yeah. What's going on, everybody? How was everybody's Valentine's Day? Because I had an amazing time. I had a good one as well, so I hope everybody else did. You want to tell the baby girls what we did? Uh, I took you to uh the restaurant I proposed to you in, uh, which was fun. Yeah, and uh, funnily enough, we were we were. I'm pretty convinced that we were served by the same lady. I think so too. Uh, we sat not too far away from where I actually did, did propose, um, and we had a really good time. The filet mignon was like to fucking die for. It was like oh, butter. Man. It was amazing. Um, I just had a really, really good time. So, yeah, that was exciting. I had a really, really fun time doing that with you. Yeah, it was fun. It was like we wasn't parents. We was just two lovers hanging out. (laughs) No, it was fun. It wasn't like, kids venue, please. No, it was like adulting, you know, hanging out. Yeah, I mean, we got there early, had to sit by the bar before uh, the full restaurant opened. So, you know, got a chance to sit with all the other uh, couples and married folk who were there early um so that was fun very intimate yeah wasn't a lot of people which was great i don't like to i don't like to dine at eight o'clock at night i like catch me well, first catch me off, outside how about that catch me around five first first off you get hangry so that's more or less the reason why you don't like to but three <laughs> thirty. i like to do the early bird special i want i eat like i'm old <laughs> i'm just saying you know give me a little we have some nice little drinks you know, you know, your girl was giving Selena realness. Oh Lord! With the bang gang, <laughs> I was looking cute. Yeah, it was a uh, a very good time. I hope everybody did something, or you know, or if you did something over, you know, are you gonna do something over this weekend? Because that's usually what we did. We yeah. would just go out like the weekend after. I normally don't uh, really schedule anything on our, you know anniversary day usually mostly because of the fact that i'm working you know not yeah. enough time and super busy and i don't know when i'm gonna get off babe it's been a lot of uh, excuses but <laughs> we, we uh, this time i really wanted to take the effort and go forth and do something and that that was great good time a lot of fun. fun a lot of fun what are we gonna be talking about today it's still black history month thank you guys happy black history month I'm black every day, but for this month, I'm extra black. Uh, uh, Well, thank you for our black disclaimer. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So this was something you wanted to do. Initially, I believe it was just like inspirations, but then when it fell upon our month here, uh, it became uh, black inspirations in our lives. And so... um, yeah, that's that's exactly what we're talking about. Uh, inspirations, black people, or black inspirations that kind of you know, you know, changed us in some way or inspired us to do something or something just like, you know, maybe mindset wise that we you know instill or whatever way it, it has affected us. But uh, black uh, inspirations that affect us affected us positively in our lives. Yeah, I want to to play tribute or pay tribute to. 
some amazing black people. So yeah. I wanted to give the listeners a couple of my inspirations. Right. Um, I do want to start with one of my favorite, and she is the only woman on my list, and she is on my wall, and it is a Dorothy Dandridge. Okay, she is an icon, actress, <laughs> singer, dancer. Um, just to give you guys a little bit about Dorothy Dandridge, because, I mean, I don't know how many people know about Dorothy. I, you know what, if I may, uh, I don't think most people will nowadays, and especially because it's something, you got to do your history and... Uh, most people, now, most people nowadays don't do enough history. Yeah, they don't. I mean, I guess the best thing you can probably do is read a book <laughs> or you can watch the Dorothy Dandridge movie starring Holly Berry. She looks just like her. You can catch that like on HBO Max. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the best place if you're just like, oh, I don't read. <laughs> if you can watch TV. <laughs> I don't know how to read. Then. Watch that movie. Um, it's the Dorothy Dandridge story. Um, again, Holly Berry played her. I think she got like a, I don't know if she got like a Golden Globe, I think, for that for that movie, I, I believe. Interesting. Um, but just a little tidbit about Miss Dorothy Dandridge. She, again, was an actress, singer, dancer. She's a triple threat, okay? My girl's a, a icon. Uh, she was born in Cleveland, Ohio. Her mom was actually an entertainer. So that's kind of where she got it from. Her mom also was like their, her manager, her momager. Um, she had an older sister and her mom started this little group for them called like the Wonder Children. So they would like do dances and sing-alongs and things like that. Um, but like right around the Great Depression, jobs started drying up in the South because they started, they were kind of doing a lot of the Chitlin circuit down South. And uh, it started drying up, so they decided to move to Hollywood. And the mom got some work doing, like, radio and some film. But, you know, back then, it was really, like, serving small positions. You know, you weren't getting a leading role. So the mom would, you know, play, like, maids and stuff like that in, in little movies, and she would do radio. Um, and then when they got to Hollywood, they had a childhood friend that joined their little group. And Dorothy, her older sister, and... I think the, the the girl's name was Etta. They uh, changed the name to uh, the Dandridge Sisters. Um, and they were performing, you know, um, throughout the, uh, like, 1930s and stuff like that. Um, and she got a little older. She didn't finish school. She kind of focused on singing and dancing and things like that. So through the 1940s, she did start getting into acting like her mom. And she would play in small roles, but she really, I don't even want to say she limited herself. And this is what an inspiration she is to me. She decided, you know, yes, they're not going to give us a lot of roles. and But she didn't feel like she needed to take every role that was thrown at her. Because every role was a, oh, play a mammy, you know, play a servant. And she didn't want to do that. So it was a little bit limiting for her because she was not willing to take those kinds of acting gigs. She's like, no, I'm not going to be a mammy. I'm not going to be um, no nanny, none of that. I'm not gonna. So she was getting roles that were, they didn't give her a lot of just do, but she definitely decided, you know, she knew her worth. She was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. Um, by 1953, 21st Century Fox, they were like, okay, hey, we're going to be doing a all-black musical called Carmen Jones, and her manager went ahead and pitched her for that role. 
Mm-hmm. So she got the role of Carmen Jones, mm-hmm. and that became an overnight success. She actually became the first black performer um, or first black female um, actor. Like, she was the highest paid actress at that time. I think she was getting like $75,000. The movie made like $10 million box office. Um, what else? She, because of that success, she got like a three-movie contract with Fox um, to get all these leading roles, which helped her to actually, she was the first black woman to get nominated for a, um Academy Award. That's incredible. First black woman. Incredible. Um, for Best Actress. So I want to say Best Actress for that. Um, there was never any black woman who got nominated for Best Actress at the Academy Award. Absolutely incredible. You got supporting, but there was not a, you know, best actress, which she did. She was going against, like, um, she was going against some some top people, like uh, Judy Garland, and um, it was a couple other people, but she didn't win. You know, they wasn't going to always give us, they was, they only, they already gave their one black woman the uh, Academy Award. So she didn't win, but that was okay. Um, she did open doors for a lot of people. Again, she kind of kept that mindset of, no, I will not be playing any kind of mammy. I I want the top role. And with her actually keeping a stance with that, she became the first black performer to open up at the uh, Empire Room at the uh, Waldorf, Ward, what was it, Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New York, um, which actually ended up leading into Lena Horne being able to perform there. So she kind of opened doors for women, or well, not just women, but just black performers. Um, also here in Vegas, we had the Last Frontier Hotel. Yeah, she was I the, do remember the hotel. Yeah, she was the first black performer to stay there and perform. Interesting. Yeah, but, you know, of course, you had to come through the back room. You could not swim in the pool. Yeah, of you course, know. that was like that, yeah. Yeah, um, she also was friends with, like, Ava Gardner and Marilyn Monroe. A lot of people like to compare Dorothy Dandridge to, like, Marilyn Monroe. They look similar. They got the moles and everything. I was like, no, Marilyn Monroe looks like Dorothy Dandridge. Stop playing with my girl. Mm-hmm. Stop playing with her. Um, also, she was nominated for a Golden Globe Award for her movie, uh, it's Porgy and Bess. I don't know. These are kind of old movies, but she got nominated for another um, award, right. Golden Globe. Um, and she ended up getting um, a star in the uh, Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yeah. Okay. You know what I noticed too? Um, back then, they were only choosing a certain type of actor, actress or actor. Um, she was playing in a lot of movies with Harry Belafonte. It was at least three movies she played in with Harry Belafonte as her like leading guy. Or Sidney Portier. They were uh, only casting like those heavy hitters. Yes, so, only those hitters. type of guys though. So that also limited all of them, because it was like, okay, well, you've been seen in this movie with this guy three times, like, we're, and it's hard to. I don't know. They weren't really casting any kind of different guys. Yeah, for sure. Different women. So yeah, especially back then. I just want to give you tribute to Miss Dorothy Dandridge again. She's a triple threat actress singer dancer she was not just taking any roles she was not she was telling them no i'm not going to pee in a dixie cup i don't want to have to go through the back way which she did 
but she opened a lot of doors for so many actresses, so many singers, so many dancers. So thank you. Uh, amazing choice. Um, fantastic breakdown. I didn't expect something like that, to be honest. Uh, nice work. I just wanted to give a little <coughs> bit of some content because, um, you know, with the younger generation, they don't know Dorothy Dandridge. And if you don't know, you better ask somebody. Okay. Uh, well enough. Well enough. Um, the person I'm going to go with is probably well known enough amongst the, uh, I guess you could say, uh, science community among um, astrophysicists and uh, astronomy and things of that nature, uh, a Mr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, okay, who is this man? You know who he is. I've heard his name a couple times. Uh, and if you, you would be able to, you would, you probably won't be able to put his face to his voice, but you've heard his voice before, before, um, especially because he talks about the universe uh, really? often. Yes. You, he's the f- most famous black scientist you would have ever known. You've seen plenty of his stuff before. I'm also very insulted. You don't know it. Um, I need to see his face. You incredibly know, insulted. We'll get back to that once this podcast goes off. Uh, but <laughs> um, he is a well, well, world-renowned um, astrophysicist graduating from Harvard. Um, so He's one of them guys, like the go-to guys. In fact, like um, he's that guy. He would be uh, the black Bill Nye, the science guy. Um, exactly that. Like he knows everything. Did Incredible. he come before Bill Nye? Because you know what's the insulting is when people always do stuff like that, where they're like, "Oh, the black this white person." This is just a contrast. Well, I'm just saying, you know, I'm just wondering if he came before. Don't know, don't care. I can't answer that one. Sorry. But what I do know is is that uh, Mr. Neil deGrasse Tyson is amazing, and uh, he would be the equivalent of that. Um, he is a incredibly smart individual who I've watched uh, among the years, especially in um, in college starting out. You could see a lot of his uh, his work um, in a bunch of the magazines that we had at school, which was, which was interesting when magazines were uh, still a thing. And um, to hear him talk about the universe uh, or the cosmos, if you will. In fact, he ended up taking, I believe, uh, a revamping Carl Sagan's show, the man who I mentioned who told the uh, Voyager 2 satellite to turn around and take a picture of the pale blue dot. Mm. Um, he took his place on the show Cosmos, uh, A Journey Through the Universe. This was called it's on Netflix, uh, a world wi- award winning on there. In fact, uh, it's been on there for a few years now. And essentially, he um, basically talks a lot about the beginning and the birth of the universe. Uh, he talks uh, a lot in the... Uh, He's a, I wouldn't call him a political scientist, uh, if you would, but then he does make remarks on certain things when it comes to, like, you know, um, uh, I would say, you know, climate change and seismic effects and, you know, uh, any, almost everything that has to do with space, he usually talks about. Um, he really does 
he's one of the first black men that I saw not in fiction. Like, that, like he was a real dude. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, who was, like, incredibly smart. And, like, people took his word for stuff. He was, like, publicly smart. Like, worked at the Smithsonian, wrote for um, multiple magazines and articles, basically starting with the article called Universe, where he, you know, would talk about different uh, astrological things happening. Um, it, it just, someone whom I I very much respect, even though to a fault to a degree because he can be a very pompous asshole uh, <laughs> in my really? personal opinion. I mean, you know, he's a, uh, he is one of those who when you know it all, you know it all. And uh, it could be a very hard battle when he when someone introduces hypotheticals in a way just to ask a question. You know, you would think as a scientist you would want to have hypotheticals thrown at you so then you can either A, debunk them or B, create theory and talk and, you know, debate and discussion about it. But a lot of times it's more or less like it's an objectionable fact. Like, you know. Is he in like his 50s or 60s? Uh, like yeah, he's, he's an older man. Older okay. man. Uh, and, um, but um, you've heard his voice before. You've seen his face before. Um, he is incredible when it comes to just talking and making uh, things about the universe understandable. My favorite conversation of his is one uh, that he has had with uh, Joe Rogan, uh, but this is prior to it being kind of cool to listen to him. Oh, he was on uh, the show. Yeah, he was on the show before because Joe would always have those types of people on there. It wasn't just like political figures and also like bullshit that you see normally. He had like Neil deGrasse Tyson on there. He had wow. – um, uh, people who follow Travis McKenna, I can't remember their names right now, but Travis McKenna being um, the father of like the study of mushrooms and psilocybin. I and mean, I can kind of see that for Joe Rogan. I just never thought that maybe a man of his status would want to be on Joe Rogan. Yeah, no, I mean, I Joe Rogan's got the ears. He is the number one podcast. So yeah. you can hear, uh, people can learn about, you know, from an astrophysicist, from you know, around the world, why not? I mean, it's it's his conversations about things are incredibly interesting. And like I was saying, uh, my favorite conversation being uh, one where he talks about uh, the concept of time and is it, if it's possible to move backwards in time. Um, it's uh, it's also another conversation that there are, um, and this is obje- like objective fact, that there are multiple types of infinity because there are more, floating numbers than there are actual counting numbers and the floating numbers are what float in between a re- one number to another it's in it's there, there's there is an, an infinite amount of numbers between zero and one yeah infinite i've so, heard that but yeah, uh, i mean like they teach that, that, that type of stuff to like break down and he makes it sensible he breaks it in certain cases into layman terms okay, which so allows people to, you know to just absorb the information about the universe, uh, about our personal reality, in a sultry, smooth-sounding voice. Really? Like somebody he is he is like Morgan Freeman levels with his voice. It's like great. Like a jazz singer or something. Oh, it's wonderful. When he ha- he says the universe, like it's one of my favorite things It makes you feel safe and want to listen. Uh, yeah, he, <laughs> yes, it's compelling enough to make you listen. It's like the movie guy basically telling you about the, the you know, yeah. you know, universe in the world. That guy. Um, <laughs> So, he's a wonderful speaker. Uh, he's incredibly intelligent. 
um, he excites uh, the want to learn within people, and that excites me because that's one thing I love doing. I love learning new shit all the time. I want to deep deep dive and dig in. And he is a individual who really promotes uh, education being valuable and the the to point and help the people who want to actually learn um, for the betterment of other people, for that matter too. Does he so. Teach? Yes, he does, but uh, mostly he has a planetarium that he runs, I want to say. I was about to ask. Um, and he's just overall uh, a black man out here, like, schooling these niggas out here about the universe. That's what's up. It's incredible to me. So, Neil deGrasse Tyson, my number one. Would you like to meet him one day? Oh, man, I would love to shake that man's hand. If yeah. he drank, I'd buy him a beer. I, I would love to, and Take I would just picture. ask all of the questions, all of the questions. Is it one of those scenarios where they were like, "Would you want a million dollars or to sit down with him for?" I would sit two down. hours. Yeah, I would sit down with because uh, he can teach me about how to. You know what I mean? A lot of stuff. Yeah, you know, a lot. Yeah, that like Jay Z thing. Would you rather have dinner with Jay Z or a million dollars? I have dinner with Jay Z. Yeah, so then he can teach me how to get the billion dollars. Yeah, the billion. You see thing. what I'm saying? Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, that's how I see things, yeah. I love Mr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. That's my uh, number one on the list so far. I really like that one. Thank you. We went from uh, actress to... Uh, Astrophysicist. Yeah. <laughs> so we, uh, we, we, we go in some different ways here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my next one, again, he's on my wall, is Mr. Malcolm X. I like it. I like it. You know, we all know him as a Muslim minister a human rights activist. Um, he was the leading spokesman for the Nation of Islam um, up until like 1964. Um, before all of that, though, he, you know, was into some bad stuff. He had went, did some larceny and some burglary, and that ended him up in jail. But while he was in jail, and I believe he was in jail for like eight years. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was a long time. Um, he joined the Nation. So he met some people in there, and they schooled him about the philosophies of the Nation of Islam. And he went ahead and changed his name from Malcolm Little, which is what he was born with, to Malcolm X. Um, <laughs> that's that's fire. Yeah. He was one of the biggest influential leaders for the nation for, like, 12 years. Um, he was also one of the highest surveillance surveillance person from the like the FBI was surveillance it was like him Sam Cook there was a couple people but he was like highly surveillance in the 50s that makes sense yeah that makes sense um by the 60s um you know he was kind of falling off from the nation and he was becoming very paranoid very paranoid you know he talks about you know human rights and, you know, we should stand up for ourselves and, you know, we need to fight back. And it's definitely different from the philosophies of Dr. Martin Luther King, where it's like, turn the other cheek. Yeah, polar opposite. Polar opposite because he's like, by any means necessary. Like, if we got to take these mofos down, we're going to take it. You know, the white people wasn't, you know, a little nervous. What y'all talking about? I thought y'all was going (laughs) to keep on letting us slap you. (laughs) But Malcolm said, oh, no. That's not what's going to happen. But, um, yeah, he started becoming paranoid in the 60s, and 
he kind of was falling off from the nation and he was, you know, uh, wasn't really getting along with the uh, leader of the nation, which is the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. You got to put honorable, you know, you got to respect, you know, put some respect on, on these names. These are amazing people. Um, he also embraced the Sunni Islam. Yeah, he, he was, you know, and uh, he completed the Haja in Temecca and he mm-hmm. uh, decided to convert and publicly renounce the nation and he started his own, he started his own like little chapter. Um, he called it the, what is it, the Islamic Muslim Mosque Incorporated or MMI and the Pan-African Organization of Afro-American Unity, which is the OAAU. Um, and once he started that, that kind of intensified his issues with the nation and also with, um, I believe, the FBI and people who were telling him because he started getting a lot of death threats. Um, by February of 1965, he was in New York. And, I mean, again, you have to just, you can look up, you can watch the Denzel Washington movie if you want to. I haven't personally ever watched um Malcolm or X uh, by, you know, with Denzel Washington. I never really watched the full movie. Really? I just did my own research. I watched a lot of documentaries and things like that. Interesting. Because I wanted to really know the man and get the information right. Um, But, yeah, by February 1965, he was in New York. He was going to speak, and he got assassinated. And the police arrested three um, members of the nation. And they were sentenced to, you know, um, they were given life sentences. Two out of the three members of the nation were exonerated. And you want to guess what year? Especially when they were going to jail in 1965. They were exonerated in 2021. That's two years ago. Ain't that some bullshit? Two years ago? That sounds like the typical government timeline. Yeah, they knew what they were doing. They played on, and, and I really believe this. I believe this is fact, that you can do what y'all want with it. I do believe the FBI played on the fact that Malcolm and the nation wasn't getting along, and they went ahead and they, you know, um, targeted these three. They targeted the nation, put them behind bars for decades, and we still don't know who really assassinated Malcolm X. I believe that was, I want to say that came out uh, a couple of years ago in like a un, un or a, like a, a document that got redacted or some shit like that. I read about it and then there was like this big thing uh, I watched, oh man, like a year or a year or so ago. Did it feel like about a conspiracy it. theory or was uh, it like... did not have, no, okay. this was, this didn't, wasn't one of those like weird, Agartha's <laughs> inside the earth type shits, but uh <laughs> It's it was honestly like CIA and involvement. Yeah. And yeah, and and that they made his it basically the a domestic terrorist organization allowing them to, you know, create these types of uh things. It's an interesting thing. Um they even have uh instances of the film what was that Denzel Washington's son? That movie. Oh, uh okay. where he uh yeah. Like he that guy he was a part of a, 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 a like a lot of it and shit like like the, the actual guy in real life. There's a, like a whole uh, think piece that I watched on that. It was very interesting. It had some real compelling stuff that is like once 
Because it's like every 50 or 60 or so years or some shit, like, they'll re- they have to release documents to, like, the public. Oh, or wow. Or some shit like that. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's why we're starting to see shit now about, like, UFOs being real and all this other shit coming out. All the out. things and, they shoot down in the fucking... You know, yeah. But remember, like, a few years ago, um, the UFOs or whatever, uh, that got okayed out by Trump. So that... That thing is gonna is soon to be like a thing. We'll we'll all be like, oh no way, they really did kill this motherfucker. Like they, we all know it, yeah. you know. I you know they were trying to make it seem like you get these New Jersey, uh, nation of Islam members yeah. and take them all the way to New York. Not all the way because it ain't that far, but it just didn't sit right with a lot of people. And you put three innocent men behind bar, um, because you guys felt like Malcolm X was a threat, um. He did advocate for black people to defend themselves, you know, and I mean, it was different from Dr. Martin Luther King, but was it really different? You guys still assassinated Dr. Martin Luther King and he was a peaceful protester. Yeah, but he also got labeled a domestic terrorist, too. Yeah. So like I'm saying, there was like a whole correlation between all that stuff. We're terrorists when we don't allow you to keep When we don't comply. Yeah. Um, I love... I love Dr. Martin Luther King, but I love Malcolm X because he was just this militant man. And I love that he was just like, he said that him and his members were determined to defend themselves from aggressors and to secure freedom, justice, and equality by any means necessary. And I like that. That put a little hair on my chest when I heard that. You know, I'm just saying. If I think about myself back in the 60s, you know, I would have been... On some Malcolm X shit. I really feel like I would have. If I could see it. Thanks, Akeem. <laughs> I don't know what my my Muslim name would be. Yeah, uh, but Akeem somebody give sure. me one. You're definitely Akeem Mohave. <laughs> Shut the hell up. That's your name. And, but if you you know, like you said, there's so many documentaries out. So if anybody really wants to dive deep, and I went through a rabbit hole like two years ago, going through some Malcolm X stuff, you can find a lot of stuff on like uh, Netflix and things like that, YouTube. Just go on the internet, people. Watch Good them. choice. Good choice, Michael Max. I like it. Thank you. Um, What's your next one? All right. Uh, I'll make this one kind of uh, kind of quick. Um, so, although this man is incredibly disgusting, uh, incredibly vile. You got my attention. Uh, and I don't respect him for this uh, and these incidences, um, I am still very much so a very communicative person because of this person, uh, and I uh, tried to be a good father because of this person, because of the character he played. Who, R. Kelly? Uh, Mr. <laughs> Bill Cosby. I, let me say this. Uh, or Billy Quaalude Cosby, as they used to call him. Uh. (laughs) Let me say this. Okay, sometimes you got to take the artist off the the person, right? Oh, you mean uh, separate the uh, art from the artist? Yeah. Yeah. He was, he, for people who didn't have dads, he was your dad at 7 p.m. whenever the Cosby show came on. I'm not going to take, I can't take that away from, and watch. Ten years from now, they're going to be trying to cancel me because I'm agreeing that Bill Cosby as an artist is good. I mean, let them try, I guess. Um, I mean, I, I I totally agree. I mean, that's the reason why I started out with this list. 
I was going to say that implicitly. Uh, I am a person who will separate the art from the artist. Uh, normally, I'm always I've always been that person to debate an opposite side of things. You you hate it in me sometimes. So it's clear to me that I would make this type of consensus um, that he is vile, but the man could uh, tell a story. Um, he is one of he is still to this day from a lot of comedians one of the greatest comedic storytellers of all time without without the use of any foul language mm. he could still kill a room um and uh i will agree with that because i still listen to like random comedy stuff on apple music which shows up with him sometimes and uh his old sets and i mean they're old sets like from the 60s and like 70s but when you allow uh, Cosby to have his moment in time, his, he, his story is so commanding and so entertaining that it's, a, it's hard to cut him off. You want to hear the outcome of things. Um, he was a good storyteller. I just never thought he was, like, crazy funny. Yeah. Um, we, me and you don't necessarily have the same sense of humor, love. Um. Who really – come on now. <laughs> who really thinking – People really think that Bill Cosby, he's knee slapping at best. Like, me, oh, me that, and was, you, that was cool. Me and you have a real difference. Are you really going to sit here and tell me that you will be cracking? Well, you crack up a lot about everything. You really going to sit here and act like Bill Cosby is hilarious? He has moments where he is, and I don't think you've listened enough to him to actually have an opinion about it. Personally. Are you kidding me? No, I don't think you've listened to him enough. And I'm not talking Cosby show where it's a skit. I'm talking about comedy album where he's sitting down and talking yeah, about like his guess, brother and like him and his mother and growing yeah, up. Yeah, I guess so. Because I'm not, I was, I mean, I'm not 75 years old. I mean, of course, I haven't listened to uh, I mean, his yeah. album. Of course, love, of course. However, I have, I was listening to it on satellite radio, if that makes me young enough. And uh, I, uh, you know, like how he would, again, tell a story. Um, sensibly speaking, he is a man who not, is very articulate and, uh, again, commanded a bunch of rooms, was allowed in different types of rooms and broken down of, of, of all types of doors. That's true. Even though he is the nasty man hiding behind the door. Uh, gross. Come on, kids. Right. Uh, Quaalude City. But I will always say that his storytelling and the way he could command a crowd is what I would like to do with how I write things for uh, our uh, projects. Um, I would say because uh, the amount of character he allows. its The man can paint a visual with just his words. You know what? I, 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 you know, I, I do want to say that, though, because I think even Richard Pryor was like, getting mentored by Bill Cosby. And Richard Pryor is one of the funniest comedians in the world. So, I I mean, they're not the same, but if that was your mentor, then yeah. that says a lot. That does say a lot. Yeah. yeah that, does, uh, that does say a lot. Uh, he, in addition to being a great storyteller, um, I respect his philanthropy, but I've also been one to always want a funny sarcastic and available father mm, didn't happen yeah. like we've talked before both of them <laughs> shit to bed thanks dads uh <laughs> i wish bill Cosby was my daddy 
I mean, you know, that's oh god, bad jokes. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I definitely think that Cliff Huxtable was the like has was has always been like sort of a standard I put upon myself as just I know he is a character, but him as the man put himself into the character, and so what we got from that stage onto our televisions, um, I. First off, it definitely appealed to me, but uh, it made me really go and, like, when I have children, I need to be the best dad I can possibly be. I want to be approachable. I want to be funny, but I want to be serious when I have to. I want to be the muscle when I have to. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'll, like he, that everything was, was, was all of it. Like, that whole entire family is essentially what, like, I would be wanting and basically have, except minus all the damn kids. Cliff and Claire could have sat the fuck down somewhere, all them children. But Man, they had a lot of kids. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, it's interesting for, you know, that duality. I find myself at times thinking about it randomly, and I go, I have, like, like the Huxtable life almost like I wanted. And uh, I wouldn't have it if it wasn't for him and his conception and of the show. So uh, Bill Cosby separating the art from the artists. Uh, he's a piece of shit, but uh, his art, uh, masterpieces. Is the show back in syndication, or you got to get bootlegs? It's still in syndication. Oh, okay. It's still in syndication. It, that's like one show that's never going to go off from. I ain't seen it nowhere. You also don't watch like TV Land or shit I don't got cable. Yeah. <laughs> we fire stick smart TV folk around here. I was going to say, what they put on something? They don't put on nothing. They ain't put on shit. Yeah, no, if it's available for purchase, it's still in syndication, and it's still available oh. for purchase. So, yeah. I love that, I'm going to be honest, I love that he actually sat down with, like, a team and was like, we're going to study black people, and, like, he made an image of, like, this is what a black father should look like on TV, should be portrayed. Yeah, yeah, you know? positivity and all the college and all, like, it was a lot of it that kind of uh, subconsciously influenced me in many ways, so, uh, yeah. Bill Cosby, you shout, next. Shout, shout, shout out, shout out to to Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> I got nervous even saying it. Shout out to uh, DC. <laughs> okay, my last one, my last one is my favorite one actually, and this is not anybody shout that. Shout out to DC. It's so funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm nervous. You're such a dork, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right, your last one. My last one, and it's actually one of my favorite people um, on my list, and he's still alive. He ain't dead or nothing. He didn't get assassinated, and, you know, overdoses, none of that, is Mr. Robert Townsend, my favorite director. That one is an obvious one. I should have known you were going to pick that one. Damn it. You're right. I love Robert Townsend. He's a director, producer, actor. Just to break down a little bit about Robert Townsend, and then I'll give you guys the movies that he's been in and directed, produced. Not all of them, but just some of my favorites. Um, He did grow up in Chicago. He was like the second oldest of like four kids. His mom's like a single mother. Um, I think middle school, high school, he started doing some plays and things like that. And... He actually got a small role while he was in high school, small uncredited role in Cooley High, 1975. 
I can't remember Robert Thompson and Cooley High because I haven't watched Cooley High in a minute. But my dad had the VHS and we would watch it a lot. But since we watched it so much, once I became an adult, I didn't watch it anymore. I haven't watched that in a number of years. It, like a, a kid. I think it's middle school is the last time I watched it, or like ninth grade. Really? Yeah. We used to watch Cooley High a lot. Um, He did say this playing that small little unaccredited role is something that kind of changed his life. So it oh, made him like, cool. okay. yeah, okay. it gave him that little drive to be like, okay, I think I can do this. So, you know, he graduates high school, you know, after he plays in Cooley High and he goes to Illinois State University. And he was only there for a year. And then he decides, I need to actually take my acting more serious. And he drops out and he starts pursuing his acting career full time. And his mom was like, I really wish he would have just stayed in school and graduated. But he was like, I was not going to be able to, I was taking away time from my passion. When you know, you know. Yeah. When you know, you know. You really feel it. When you understand that, like, this is what I need to do. Yeah. Sometimes you got to take that leap. I'm a risk taker. I understand that. I understand that. That yearns to me. Yeah. He's like, you know what? Yeah, I can graduate and. And, you know, sometimes you can be like, well, acting still is going to be there. But he knew that to take him to the next level, he needed to put his time and his effort, all of his his energy into acting. That's amazing. Um, in 1980, he did audition for Saturday Night Live. You know, back then, they was only hiring one brother, one sister. He did not get it. Can you guess who got the role? Who mm. got their position in SNL? Eddie Murphy? Yes. Oh. Yes, he got beat out by Eddie Murphy. Oh, that's tough. Yeah. I mean, to be number two, it was, was it like a runner? I imagine it's a race or whatever. Was he going to be the second guy or whatever, and Eddie got it? I don't. I think they, you know, with SNL back in the 80s, 70s, you only get one black girl, one black guy, and I think it was like, okay. That's pretty I crazy. mean, Eddie was, Eddie is funnier, so. I mean, yeah, there is that. And that SNL took Eddie Murphy. They that was what jump started his career for sure. Propelled him basically. Yeah. Um. After he did, you know, get declined by SNL for the next seven years, he started playing in these small roles like a, a soldier story and like the Mighty Quinn with Denzel Washington. So he was doing roles. Um. But then at by what time? I think it was 1987. He said, "You know what? I'm gonna take another leap." And I am going to write, produce, and direct my own movie. Put my own money in and do it. And that movie was Hollywood Shuffle. Oh, that's a great fucking movie, too. Yeah. He decided to put all his money in, write, direct, produce. He did it himself. And he was the lead. You know, playing the small roles for, you know, almost 10 years. He's like, the only way I'm going to get my, you know, not the only way, but to get me a leading role, I'm going to have to do this shit myself. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that showed other people like Chris Rock and, and Eddie Murphy, people like that, that, you know what, to get the lead role, sometimes you're going to have to, just like the Wayne brothers. They got it. They got that kind of attitude from Ruby yeah. Ray Moore. Oh, okay. Guy. Remember? Yeah, write, produce, direct your own shit. Yeah, do your own shit. Yep. Ship it yourself. And you can be the lead in it. And you can be the lead in it. And then, I mean, now look at us. Yeah. That's and you know what? You know, the movie, I mean, if you remember, is really based on, like, the you know the hardships of black actors in the industry <laughs> so it was like a hey it's a parody of it this is what we have to go through and a smart parody of right it too. 
that actually like uh, that did jumpstart his career and he started getting more leads and things like that. Um, later in his life, he did create the Robert Townsend Foundation. It is a nonprofit profit organization that its mission is to introduce and help new film writers. I thought that was amazing. Um, just some movies and shows that he's directed, starred, and created. Of course, the first one was Cooley High, Five Heartbeats. I think everybody knows that. Um, Hollywood Shuffle, Meteor Man. That was oh, that's my, my movie. That's my shit. Meteor Man is one of my favorites. Um, Parenthood. Remember, he did that for four, like four seasons. Um, guess what? Eddie Murphy's Raw. He directed that. That's you know what? You got beat out, but then you win because you directed his biggest. Exactly. Man, what a score. He directed Eddie Murphy's Raw. What a score. Bap. I love that fucking movie. For any of my Disney people up, up, and away, come on, stop playing with the aluminum foil. That was your kryptonite. <laughs> the aluminum foil. I used to love watching Up, Up, Away because I would, like, we would pretend like we were, like, them and, like, <laughs> we'd get some aluminum foil. <laughs> we have put it in our mouth before. It's like, oh, my powers are draining. Dumbass kids. <laughs> okay, what about this one? Holiday Heart. Lessa. Man, I'm going to be honest with you. I was never a fan of that movie. It, are you? Go to hell. I'm going to be honest with you. I was never a fan of that movie. Holiday Heart? Are you kidding? Why do we love Holiday Heart. I know y'all do. I I know. I, wow. just, I am not a fan of the movie. I'm Take sorry. No disrespect. I can't believe you. I mean, you don't even know who Neil deGrasse Tyson is. We can get off the page. So what? I'm learning. <laughs> just like everybody else is going to probably listen to this. <laughs> okay, what about bringing it back full circle? Karma. Carmen. Sorry. Carmen. The hip opera. Love it. So, it's a fucking travesty of a movie. You're going back to Dorothy that. Dandridge. Yes. And making your hip hop. Yes. Um, Little Richard. <laughs> you guys watch Little Richard? That's wonderful. Um, Living for Love. Did you ever watch that, the Natalie Cole story? I didn't even know Natalie Cole had a story. Are you kidding me? You never watched that? It was a made for TV movie. Oh, no. Yeah, it got, it won an NAACP award. Never watched Never watched Are that, no. Me? Swear to God, no. You know, he also directed a couple episodes of Black Lightning for anybody who's watched Black Lightning on the CW. Man, I wish they'd bring that back. And The Wonder Years. You know, the new one. The new one? Yeah. No shit. He did a couple of those. Oh, episodes. my God. I love that fucking show. I love The Wonder Years. I love that man. I actually, what happened? Um, I remember when I first got on Instagram some years ago, and he like liked one of my like comments that I left under like his like video or picture. I was like fangirling it out. I love Robert Townsend. Like, if I could ever meet you, sir, and just take, you know, drop some gems on your girl, like, I'm trying to, this is going to propel me anyways, but I always wanted to be in the industry. Like, Robert right. Townsend is everything respect. to me. I respect that. Beautiful. What is your last one, Honey Bun Kiss the Boat? All right, we don't have much time, but. It's okay. I will I will go ahead and, and make this one as quick as possible. Um. So... For this one, I've been struggling as I've sat here and actually talked to you about it because I've been weighing out who has influenced me more. Mm. Uh, both of both my both of these people uh, could be my next choice. They're both musicians. They're both my favorite in their respective types of art and music. Um, and 
they're both the best. Like, you want to in put my them both out opinion. and we can see some comparison? Okay, so one of them being Mr. Michael Jackson, like himself. Like Michael it's, Jackson. it's, 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 that's the man. And, and there's a, there's a, like a, a whole love of him for like all my life. Uh, and then it's Lupe Fiasco, like greatest rapper of all time, in my opinion. Kick, push, go. Yes. <laughs> yes. I yes. love Lupe. Uh, he is uh, one of the greatest rappers of all time, and he definitely like uh, makes me think different. Like, um, and I don't know. Both of them influenced me in so many different ways, and then have been inspirational to me. Um, both of them tend to be keys of of uh, true perseverance in a way. Um, Overcoming challenges like getting out of fucking Chicago or Gary, Indiana, for one, um, and you know having to deal with like a hardcore life as much as the beatings and all that stuff for Michael, right? And getting every step perfection to to perfection, being uh, precise and um, and making sure that you are absolutely pitch perfect, um, into the same degree. Um, Lupe Wasalu, his name. Um, he is a uh, Muslim and grew up with a father who, you know, made sure that he was into martial arts and, you know, uh, really worked him and made sure he was like reading and education is key. And there's, there's so many values that were put into them. And then they became, they both became like true stars in their own right, but then real masters at what they do, like real masters at what yeah. they do, whatever, you know. And, um, I mean, he might. Like, I'll say it like this, like, people can give, uh, or, you know, say, you know, whoever is the hottest on the internet or whatever, you know, is the greatest, Drake, you know, name whoever, but uh, there's no one who has sold more on our end, especially for our people, more than Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Everybody knows who Michael Jackson is. The, that one. Like, Thriller is that thing, that one. There's you know nobody I mean? on any continent that does not know Michael Jackson. Uh, yeah. Everybody yeah, there him. are people around the world who don't know who Drake is, but they will know who Michael Jackson is. They, mm-hmm. I bet you, they can throw up the, the zombie thriller dance if they needed to. Like you know, mm-hmm. I mean, people. There were whole prisons that were making that part of their like rehabilitation program. So, um, you know, there's there's a there's a bunch of like respect on that end. And with Lupe, he would he fought, um, well, both of them to be honest. I mean, Michael fought Sony, Lupe fought Atlantic. You know, for their his own his record to be played and to get to uh, lasers at what what it was, and um, there's just a bunch of um, never give up in them. Yeah. There's this persistence. There's this fight. There's this uh, uh, precision, and there's this accuracy. There's the uh, the amount of just flow. That, that I see or have seen and have viewed since, you know, rest in peace, MJ. But uh, what I see from the Lupe, and it's just in all inspiring to just continue what I'm doing, continue at my pace, respect my hustle, respect my steps, understand that it's a, a marathon and not a sprint, you know, and sticking to it. It's going to get you there. It, yeah. They're both like semblances of that to me. So, uh, 
inspired me in more ways than one in all sorts of aspects of my life. But both of them will qualify as my number three, Mr. Michael Jackson and Mr. Lupe Fiasco. So with Lupe Fiasco, what do you put him as in your top rappers? He'd be my number one. He'll be your number one. He is my number one. I'll I'll, I'll argue that all day. Uh, I think he could wrap circles around Jay-Z. He would probably... He would probably say otherwise because Jay Z is like one of his favorite rappers, right? But like, I think he can rhyme circles around Jay Z. I think he can rhyme circles around Kendrick. Kendrick makes things that are real, like, real good, real, real good. But on a on a cerebral level, um, one bar of Lupe's can mean six separate things. Yeah, and that norm he does that normally, like on a normal basis when he's like freestyling and shit, like. Uh, him going through a boot camp during Corona was amazing to see online. He would like go through lives and just freestyle and you know do a beats on GarageBand and just go and he would rap. But the, every single bar was like a double or a triple entendre, like every single time. Like uh, Lupe is uh, cerebral. He makes me think. He makes me think. He forces me to. Um, and he is a genuine storyteller. Uh, which I love and appreciate. And of course, you know, having Mr. Cosby on here. Um, and he paints pictures just so easily as a, a rapper. There's no one that I can think of. Maybe I would say, I, you know what I would say? I would, who would give him a run? A Black Thought would give him a run for his money. And, I mean, it's hard to go up against Black Thought. That nigga's an alien, so. <laughs> but, yeah, um. He would be my top. He my, he'd be my number one. And then shortly after that, Kendrick Cole. And Michael Jackson at number one when it comes to singing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, but sense. And he's on our wall. But um, I would I don't know if I would put him in directly in singers, but as far as a it's entertainer, yeah. he is the number one. There's no one else that entertains better than Michael Jackson. And no one has since. Like, Beyonce is close. She's close. Yep, Beyonce, Beyonce is close. close. But she has not left the stage on a jetpack. Until somebody tops the jetpack move. Oh, I got you. I'm about to do it. Hey, man. Nigga, you get a jetpack. I can get my VR. I've been asking y'all. Uh, that's all I got, babe. I'm going to give you a jetpack and show you. Um, Yeah, this was our little tribute to our black inspirational Peoples, icons. Icons. Wonders. We got scientists. We got actors. We got. Rappers, we got directors, we Musicians, got human rights activists. Everybody. We got everybody in our list. We touch all over the world, babe. We're inspirational okay. everywhere. <laughs> Aren't I can't, these The people I picked is because I want, they make me want to be an icon. They're icons that make me want to be an icon. They open doors for That's for interesting. I, I don't know if I would want, you know, maybe we could talk about that one day because I don't know if I would want the the visibility of an icon. That's so... I would never lot. get any type of privacy, but that's a, a that's a conversation for another day. I like that though. Any last words of wisdom? Um, black people out there, stay inspirational, y'all. We <laughs> uh, you know, they want to be like us, talk like us, dance like us. Everybody want to be us until you can't be us. So it's rough. Uh, yeah, I mean, we inspirational, bro. Look at culture right now. You're welcome. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Remember, we drop new episodes every Friday on all streaming platforms. Um, 
again, thank you so much for listening. Think about who inspires you. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Here.